0: mechanical freak where it hasn't felt worse to live in that country of the past on the decaying core of neoliberal dystopia today where we rapidly get our ass handed to seemingly every single day and i can't even get breakfast in the only city in the world without the risk of getting held up at gunpoint i'm munya here with greg greg what is going on uh well munya hey good morning
1: good morning yeah, they've finally gone and done it. Uh as everyone listening obviously knows. Uh they did the thing they said they were going to do. They took away the right to an abortion in America. The Supreme Court dropped that on Friday. I'm sure, we were all in one way or another out in the street at some point over the last few days. Yeah, it happened. Uh you know, and I don't know that we can really properly express the horror of this. Not because we're men, uh, you know, for myself, uh, because I'm not very bright and I haven't done the work, but, you know, suffice to say it's a strike like at the very heart of anything that could be called, I don't know, liberty, freedom, uh, autonomy over your very body, your physical self, uh, certainly for women, for anyone who can get pregnant, obviously, you know, it's an attack. Uh, but you know, if we step back, uh, we live and die as a working class uh like in solidarity or not so maybe what i want to do today is i like work through that reality uh talk to my buddy Munya about the implications of what we're looking at in front of us like uh what does it mean to be staring down at a massive crater left by the first barrage that will kick off some bold new offensive in the class war? Uh, here we are, cowering in our trenches, diseased, shell-shocked, and the ruling class is about to charge. Uh, a ruling class, I-, I think we can now see, I- I'm going to argue today, is organized and radicalized to a degree uh, we could have only speculated about before. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe what we can do is talk about this as a uh, sort of a turning point. Um, no new ideas necessarily, but like maybe, uh, maybe an end point to all the like complaining, blaming, predicting and crankery of the last like, uh, six years or more. Um, maybe come out on the other side, To something not novel, um, probably obvious, actually, but in some ways new nonetheless. Like, uh, I don't know, new ruling class just dropped. Yeah. Uh, This is our reaction vid, everybody. Unboxing the
0: new ruling class. (laughs) Yeah, it, it feels bad, man. Like, I mean, he said it best, Greg. It's just like, this is the result of a ruling class that has been organizing and consolidating and monopolizing for decades and, you know, we're, it just feels like we're left flat footed and there's no real easy reaction or counter reaction to have. That's not, um, you know, extremely jarring or unprecedented, right? Like it, it sucks. It, it's awful. And this is like, it's, you know, like you said, it's striking out the core of our, you know, individual rights, liberty, whatever, you know, this country claims to you know, possess. We all knew that was bullshit, but I mean, this is just like, you know, stripping any analysis out of the way. is just kind of saying it for what it is. It's like, yeah, I mean, you don't have it anymore. Not even in a theoretical sense. It's not even just like poor woman or, you know, poor uh, people, which were left behind decades ago in this. Um, it's just, you know, official in the Supreme Court doctrine, like, you know, no more. And that obviously sets the precedent for, everyone's rights to be stripped, right? And yeah. that's something that the Supreme Court has said directly themselves, right? Some of the justices have said directly. So. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, in the, uh, in his concurrence, uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, you know, this has been widely quoted, the ju- says the justices, quote, should reconsider all of the court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and, I don't know how to pronounce o- Obergefell, but... Um, Obergefell. I don't know. Uh, Griswold v. Connecticut. That's you know established the right to contraception. Uh, Lawrence v. Texas uh, invalidated the sodomy laws. Uh, you know laws against being gay, doing uh, gay shit. Oberfell versus Hodges. You know this um, established a right to gay marriage. Um, and so that's that's Thomas saying what you know people have been warning about for a long time, but certainly when the the draft was leaked two months ago, um, many said would come is like that. This is going to open up a path to really uh, going backward in, in if you're looking at it in that sense um, on a lot of these issues, certainly like the re- uh, revocation of abortion rights federally, like is going to have a massive impact immediately, like to, like something like 22, 23 states have laws on the books that are going to become enforceable or are going to trigger into being law. It's different everywhere, but that's like, you know, a a large portion of the country where, yeah, to be fair, like it was already very constrained, the access to abortion, but now is going to be um, criminalized. Yeah. Yeah, Just opening up like an enormous can of worms, uh, like a punishment, like bringing the carceral state, the police down on people, in this horrifying way, you know, ju- I'm just not smart enough to get into all the ways that having a federal right to abortion has been, you know, a, a cornerstone of whatever, like whatever limited l- liberation of, uh, you know, women, for example, that there has been in this sort of like uh liberal period of progress since the mid-century. Right. It's it's uh, it's a terrifying thing. Um. I guess like it's that frame of thinking like, yeah, shit was marching forward because public opinion was moving. You know, as we've talked about before, this is like, you know, we trace that to activism, to, you know, uh, rioting, to uh, people on the ground uh, doing direct action over the decades.
0: Yeah. I mean, these public opinions don't just shift from people waking up and being like, we should just be more sensible and reasonable. So the time has come and, uh, you know it's it's time like the public opinion is forced to move that way from actual actions and disruptive actions like that, too, yeah,
1: yeah, and I think uh you know we know that, but like it, liberal America could imagine um you know uh uneducated and uninterested as they are that like as they see these things happen, like oh, it's just this progress that's moving forward, and
0: yeah, that in a linear is, in a very linear fashion.
1: Yeah. And to some degree, you know, hey, maybe it did look like that because like ultimately these things were allowed to happen.
0: Yeah. You know, I all mean, going like, in all, a good all, direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really did seem like it was like, oh, this is a brave new world, a new era of liberal progress. The te- technological revolution is happening at that time as well. And it seems like now it's just kind of all unraveling because it never really was that to begin with, right? Like there was right. never just like a power in just like linear progression that like a force was, you know, making happen. And it shows that public opinion in this case really does not matter at all, right? Yeah. Um, it's actually extremely unpopular and they knew that from the jump. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, if you were a liberal, you could have thought like, oh, well, this is
1: happening. And may- if you, and you know, if maybe you actually want to, wanted to analyze it, you could say, well, like whoever runs this shit, uh, is allowing it to happen. Even us, we could say like, okay, well, we know capital's in charge here, but look, they're allowing these, you know, nominally good things to happen. Um, and I think like certainly for liberals and even, you know, sometimes on some level for us over this period, um, we've, it's been possible at least to take comfort in the, uh, cosmopolitan values of the ruling class, yes. right? Like, oh well, yeah, the, the the whoever runs this world, you know, the the capital class, you know, in our analysis, well, they're big city liberals, uh, they're cosmopolitan. So ultimately, like, yes, even if it's if it's on the ground radical action that's that's pushing these things to happen, the ruling class is essentially cosmopolitan and so they will ultimately get out of the way because they share some of these values they they want you know to be able to be gay and out they want to be able to have uh access to abortion themselves they want you know there to be women ceos Mm -hmm. so you know they're gonna get out of the way for this stuff you know um right and i i think we know like that was never a model for liberation. Um, never a good one. <laughs> Certainly not a, a model for power. Um, Cause you know, we're basically you're just this attitude is like, well, the King up there uh, ultimately like, isn't going to have a problem with this. Yeah, he will so, allow it. <laughs> and you know, if you follow that, uh, that delusion naturally, you say, well, okay, they allowed this to They allowed these things to happen. They allowed Roe versus Wade to happen in the first place under enormous pressure activism in the streets in the early seventies, but they did allow it, um, a, you know, a very conservative court, um, made that ruling. So like you could also be deluded into thinking they will not allow these things to go away. Yeah. Like I say, that's, that's not a model for for power. That's, that's just, you know, uh, Hoping for like you know a philosopher king who agrees with you in the form of the yeah. the, the capital class, <laughs> or if right. you know if you're just a lib in the form of the Supreme Court because you don't see like um, anything but the superstructure. But you know that that that's not a model for power. It was never that's not um it's not like they ever had not the ruling class. The Supreme Court never had you know a solidarity worth the working class. If anything, maybe they had a self interested acceptance. Mm. Uh, but what that means is. If you convince them, the ruling class, you know, as like a self-aware, a self-conscious class, that it's necessary to roll back these liberal reforms as a needed tool of oppression, well, uh, then all bets are off.
0: That is what happens when, you know, when capitalism is in decline, right? I think all these things were acceptable as the empire was expanding as at least the car was maybe have was even off the cliff, but physics still allowed that car to go into a straight line trajectory and not, you know, wily coyote style, like just drop like a rock falling off the cliff. Right. The wheels were still turning, the car is still in the air and it's still going forward, even though it's not on any solid ground. And, you know, I think we're at the point now in the empire where, um, you know, the U S really is losing a grip, you know, on the world. I mean, the war in Ukraine is kind of showing, um, as much. Uh, The actual blowback of neoliberalism is starting to come home. The empire is coming home in a lot of ways. Uh, People are getting poorer. Life expectancy is going down. And, you know, when that happens, uh, you know, the ruling class is still in power. It's not like suddenly, Oh, because our, you know, capitalism is failing us like it um, in a way that uh, it wasn't as obvious before. I mean, we're still not in power. And so what do the people in power do to reacting as like, you know, declining profits, are, uh, you know, happening, uh, you'll get more of a clampdown and more, uh, methods of oppression and, you know, less tolerance to concessions in the superstructural, like cultural sphere. Um, you know, a ruling class is going to try to get more of that pie, right? Um, because as capitalism starts to fail more broadly, they'll see more labor, you know, unionization and more actions and just more reactions in an antisocial way too, hence the mass shootings, um, you know, from these conditions. So yeah, I think that this is what happens when, you know, capitalism in general and just an empire like the U S uh, is now in like terminal decline to that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a longer term, What we talked about, you know, a month or two ago when the draft was leaked, um, you know, Brian brought to us that uh, reading from Jenny Brown's book without apology, that showed like a longer-term radicalization, right on, uh, you know, a switch from a Malthusian fear of overpopulation to a fear of not having enough workers and thus needing to begin a project of repealing uh, abortion rights. Um, so, in a way, like. Yes, this is all coming together now as like economically and like in terms of imperial power, like there's real uh, constraints uh, becoming apparent. But like in another way, this is maybe just the trajectory of neoliberalism where like uh, these concessions were on one track that was happening over um, as a result of like, you know, the New Deal order or whatever labor having a foot in the door capital needing to make concessions and then the backlash has happened you know for all these years and has built and has now been going this direction where capital is organized and radicalized to where they're ready to turn back these things i think that's that's what we talked about a couple months ago is like this there's there's been a real project to convince the ruling class that on just this specific issue abortion rights need to go away because We the ruling class needs to exact that as a control and a discipline over the working class. Not only do they need more workers, more, but then everything that that loss of freedom, bodily autonomy entails that allows you to uh, constrain someone's life in a way that makes them uh, need the shit job you're offering. Okay, labor, discipline. Yes. And they've been radicalized. There's been a project to radicalize the ruling class uh, to get everybody on board with the need for this level of labor discipline such that it overrides whatever cosmopolitan values they may have, which they don't really even need to give up because we are not of the same class, okay? They can oppress this. They can add this into the toolbox of uh, labor discipline, of uh, carceral discipline, control over your body to discipline you.
0: Right. Yeah, and I mean, it goes to show that um, you know, employer healthcare is a labor disciplining act too. Mm-hmm. So many corporate emails came out right after the decision, not really condemning the decision of Roe v. Wade. And even if they were, um, you know, wasn't that, um, harsh, the message more along the lines, you know, in a lot of workplaces where, yeah, Hey, you know, uh, we acknowledge that, you know, the overturn of Roe v. Wade happened, but Hey, don't worry. Uh, you know, fellow employee, uh, dear employee, um, you, can get an abortion and we'll actually pay for it if you need to go to another state. Uh, you know, we'll pay for an abortion, right? And this is like baked into our benefits. But just yeah. like employer healthcare, care, um, that is contingent on you working for that company. Yep. And if like something that was guaranteed as a right is now tied to you know uh, working for a select corporation, that gives them a lot more leverage and power just over you know your life. It, it fundamentally, like if we want to even use the word like freedom. Um, now, now that once guaranteed, right. Is now contingent on you, on your labor, on you working. And it's not even guaranteed if you're working for another company. Right. So not only if you lose your job or, you know, leave, um, or get fired, you'll lose your health care. but now abortion is a part of that too. That gives employers fundamentally more leverage on, um, on labor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is the new reality. Fuck. Uh, okay. So. More immediately, how did this happen? Whose fault is it? Who's going to do what about it? These are the questions we're asking ourselves. No, uh, you know, if we're libs, we're looking at this and saying like, oh, my gosh, is this is this a victory? This is a victory for the religious right we've been afraid of or. Dismissive of al- al- alternate <laughs> alternatively, yeah. The um, religious right that somehow years, was
0: fading into obscurity for uh forever, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, now is like a theocracy basically.
1: <laughs> well, I and I mean, I, I tell I'm sure they are chuffed about this, like they're, they're this is a huge fucking week for of uh, people like I grew up around. I mean, I can tell you, I'm sure my mom is on cloud nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can, I'm and I'm sure. You know, they're all very smug about it. I mean, fuck, 20 years ago, I very smugly told as a teen told my, uh, you know, conservative evangelical mother, like, they're never going to do it. They're never going to give this to you. They're going to string you along on this abortion (laughs) shit for the rest of your life. So you vote for Republicans. Uh, so they Which could, was like, a
0: popular and fair assumption yeah. at the time. I mean, it was yeah. kind of hard to think that they'd do something as drastic as this because we didn't think that they'd be as radicalized and organized exactly. as they are yeah. now. Because if you believed
1: at that time, like this was all going in a certain direction, and public opinion was going in a certain direction, and you know, blah blah blah, all the things we've talked about, like that, did seem very reasonable. And that I think is the new like thing we need to internalize is the is this level of radicalization and organization of the ruling class in this moment that supersedes all of that shit. And it's not just on abortion. So now, but just to talk about the Supreme court, like this is obviously like a major, like piece of artillery in this new like barrage of the class war is the Supreme court here Uh, earlier this year, Egbert versus bull, um, no monetary damages for misconduct by federal cops in the border region. Um, a guy, Tried to sue the feds after getting like roughed up in his place of business and Supreme Court said, "Nah, like you can't really do that. Um, they have uh, rights to do this, to come in without a warrant and rough you up because blah, blah, blah in the border zone. Um, of course, I you know, we know. That border zone is 100 miles from any coast or (laughs) uh, border or I think even any international airport. And like that's where Where most
0: people in America, everyone in
1: America lives. So now and technically this is just like removing the ability to sue for monetary damages. But of course, like there is no that that was just the the only like fig leaf of accountability for federal cops in the border region at all anyway, which even that mostly didn't work. So like, it's just a, a license to do whatever they want or a reinforcement, a removal of one of the only tiny like fake checks on their power. Um, You know, that's, that's big. Uh, Then last week, it really started to go off. Um, You've got the New York state rifle, rifle and pistol association versus Bruin. That's challenging the hundred plus year old handgun ban in New York. Probably invalidating a lot of other uh, <laughs> law, gun control laws around the country, and you know, sending a real signal to Congress, like you know, there, there's a lot we're not going to let you do to, on gun
0: control. Um, which, like, if you if you ban, if you like overturn banning handguns in New York City, like, I mean, what well, what is even gun control? Like, I, I uh, that that's like the most obvious. Uh, ban you can possibly have, right? Like, I, I don't I don't even understand how you can justify any other gun control ban of New York State and hence New York City Well i mean,
1: handguns. Hey, I mean, maybe it's going to be good. Maybe, I mean, they'll have to come up, NYPD will have to come up with some new fucking reason to stop and frisk like uh, uh, every black man in New York twice a year. So then you've got on the same day last week, um, the uh, case where they also ruled against The possibility of seeking monetary damages for infringements of your Miranda Uh, rights—that's the thing. Where in the on TV, cops read you your rights, like you have a right to remain silent, blah blah blah. From the Miranda case, like I don't know, early '60s or something. Um, That look, you know, that's the your Miranda rights are are a liberal fig leaf anyway. Like it's the the system's way of saying like, yes, we're going to dump the prosecutorial power of the entire yeah. state against you, <laughs> underrepresented. Uh, and, you know, specifically, we're going to use every little word you say to trip you up in, you know, a conflicting statement or or force a confession out of you, blah, blah, blah. But we're going to do this bare minimum bullshit of like mumble some a, a little <laughs> bit at you. At you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, yeah, well, now you can get us. But like, and of course, like this isn't really helping anybody. Like, yeah, um, right? It did not prevent pro- uh, <laughs> pro- probably also almost always never happening. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. like. But the point is, like, this court is so radicalized, and thus, by implication, I'm saying our ruling class is so radicalized that they're removing the fig leaf uh, as you know, again, just some minor constraint on police power or theoretical fig leaf of constraint on police power. They're saying, and why? Like, to what end, you know? Uh, Except to just, like, remove, to really shift politics in this country and the power of the state, okay? So then, of course, on Friday, um, uh, abortion rights obliterated. um, And then fucking uh, yesterday, uh Kennedy versus Bremerton School District right here in Washington hey. a su- case that made it to the Supreme Court wow. another fucking uh uh issue that was used to give evangelicals in this country the red ass uh for like especially uh in the in the mm, I think this is more like late 90s early and like 2000s like Bush era um praying in schools prayer in schools um god this is a so this was the uh the football coach Bremerton uh, high school, I think, um, you know, would would pray on the field after games and like the school district asked him not to. So it couldn't be construed as like an official school thing. Blah, blah, blah. Went up to the Supreme Court and they're like, yeah, you can't restrict his free speech like that. And you can go on and talk about like how nonsensical the the uh, the ruling is. The opinion is like on its like breakdown of free speech and the establishment clause and how it's bullshit. But like, who cares? The the point is They're doing this this thing that is uh, that just sends a message like, I mean, this feels like the most overtly like pointlessly political one, like you're throwing to some base that is dwindled. But I mean, this is going to rile up. This is going to like excite the living fuck out of evangelicals in this country. I mean, they might get back into politics in a big way. I don't know. Will that matter since none of their kids like decided to keep going to church? (laughs) I don't know. But like, (laughs) Yeah like my god like growing up in the evangelical church like people were obsessed with like how like you will be like sent to jail if you pray in school if you sit at your desk and say a prayer like you can be arrested um <laughs> and, you know like and it's like obviously like insane <laughs> bullshit and so you would have like little groups and clubs like where you know uh Kids would meet at the flagpole every morning, 15 minutes before class to pray together as like a, you know, as a fellow Christian fellowship, you know, to gather in the Holy Spirit. But also like as a protest, you know, like I dare you to throw me in prison for praying on school grounds, you know, (laughs) as if like that had anything to do with anything. Um, Yeah. But now, but now, not only um, are all of those kids who've been in prison you know, for so long for praying at school, are they going to be released? Their convictions for praying at school are going to be overturned, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But now your teacher can lead
0: a a prayer in school. Um, In a public school, you can just now have like prayer mornings, right? That (laughs) after the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, uh, you know, you you have to, you know, clasp up and have your public school, maybe even substitute teacher, lead a prayer for you. Um, surely the most normal thing ever And, and uh, the is going to happen.
1: And the principal can't ask that teacher to not do that because it's weird. The principal weird. can't
0: do a citizen's arrest on the oppressed <laughs> teachers anymore.
1: And, and because the Supreme Court says it's their First Amendment right. Because that would be like your boss at your job, which, who can tell you to do fucking anything in America – um, except this, your boss at your job can't say, uh, please don't like lead this, the kids of your entire class in prayer because like, uh, they might not like it and it's weird. Um, that w- them doing that would be an infringement on your speech rights, uh, as yeah, well as I mean, presumably to say your nothing religious about
0: freedom. Separation between church and state, which has always been bullshit, but I mean, come on, yeah. you know?
1: So, you know, where does that leave us? Like. I think it leaves us with, you know, again, this inevitable conclusion that like uh, they there is a new like level of uh, class war coming. Like they're going they're jettisoning all of the the liberal fig leaves and they're coming after us uh, in a big way. And but I mean, I don't know if you're a Seattle liberal, you might see it differently. Um, here's a letter to the editor in The Seattle Times. Oh, boy. Um, From uh, Friday. Now that pro-lifers, in quotes, have the Supreme Court decision they wanted, it's time for them to step up to the plate and show the rest of us how, quote, pro-life, unquote, they really are. I hope to see them carrying their picket signs in support of universal maternal and child health (sighs) care, shouting through their bullhorns in support of subsidized daycare, raising their hands in prayer for a living wage for all workers and shedding tears over the injustice of the death penalty. How about regulating the guns that terrorize and kill so many of our young people, especially those forced by poverty to live in neighborhoods where violence is common. Why? <laughs> will they advocate as rigorously for the child as they did for the fetus? I'm not holding my breath. Oh, you got him, dog! You got well, him. On you the know hypocrisy. what? Hypocrisy. You hypocrisy shit. baited the shit out I of me. I
0: never. You know They have to like put down their Bible, put down, um, you know, their nightsticks, their guns, and be like, "You got me." Do the Walter White hands raise? Like, oh, you you got me, man. Like, uh, <laughs> shit, yep. hey, you logic the shit out of me. Uh, good good day to you, sir. Here's some Reddit gold.
1: Yeah. So, like, but not only do. Those people not give a shit about any of those things. And like, I guess that's the hypocrisy this um, dweeb is calling them on. But like, they're not ultimately the enemy. Like, that's what you should take from this. Yes, a weird, small fringe that actually wants abortion restricted in this country.
0: And we have to, you know, really emphasize it is a small fringe that want this. (laughs) Like, didn't do this their yeah, they, they activism of a strategy they, they, they didn't post harder than us to like make this happen you know like <laughs> i'm sure it didn't like you know hurt to have like some you know public facing like culture war you know organized like christian right to be in the mix but i mean yeah. this this was not like the reason why the Supreme court said it. like, Oh, we hear you. Cause that implies that this is a, like a, you know, a, a quasi like democracy, right. In general, right. like yeah. where they listen to people. Like it's, it's not,
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, they were instrumental over the last, you know, uh, 40 years of, you know, uh, making this happen of the way the method that was used to make this happen. But like, sorry, like the, the enemy here is the ruling class. Um, they're the people who did this. Uh, it's, I don't have any sympathy for these.
0: Uh, yeah, they could go to hell.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not them. But, like, um, and God,
0: they're celebrating now. Like, Yeah, do you see that video of that, like, girl who was, like, crying at the Supreme Court in joy? That, like, um, you know, she was like, oh, babies, babies are finally free of the tyranny of the Democrats. And, like, was, like, she's like this kind of, like, looked ethnic, like this, like, Latina-looking person um, who, like, claimed that she was a libertarian but was, like, praising the Supreme Court for overturning Roe v. Wade. Like. Sure. I mean, look, it takes all kinds. I mean, you know,
1: it's just like, wow. Okay. Uh, so. went to UC Berkeley, by the way. <laughs> Uh, uh, fucking awesome yeah look i mean like you can get into it's a, this is america you can get into whatever fucking weird subculture you want to you can yeah. like there's so many options of how to be just a weird shithead in this country yeah, you can be like, a flat earther like bob yeah like you know and if you you can mix and match too like you get to have any fucking weird shit you want but like that's again this is nothing new that's not what politics really is right So like one thing, you know, that I proposed when the when we talked about um, the leak draft dropping is that, you know, in all the theories of like why why and who leaked it, like possibly that this was directly from the conservative wing of the court itself on some level as just a doing politics play, like uh, knowing that they're about to do this massive legislation from the bench and wanting to take the temperature and verify that this was going to work, that this was going to be okay to actually weren't
0: going to get like clapped immediately when they go home
1: Uh, or that it wasn't going to get struck down. And, and I, I think I said this at a time, but I never wanted to imply that they were actually afraid of this, that they were afraid that this wouldn't work, but that this is just a smart thing to do that you Rather than do it out of nowhere and like shock the fuck out of people and then maybe have that rally enough um, of the whatever countervailing forces out there to to challenge that and maybe then, you know, pass legislation. You instead give them in this case, we're talking about, I guess, the Democrats, the only people who possibly who are very much in a position to stop it. The chance to do that preemptively so that you don't have to ultimately do the thing in the end just to have it reversed for all kinds of like political considerations. Um,
0: Yeah, it's smart risk management.
1: Yeah. Not that they were afraid, but that like when you're doing big things and you actually think about things clearly, like uh, there's there's ways to do politics that's how legislation is made you talk about it for a long time and you get it to become inevitable and so by doing this and this is what we talked about a possible scenario was oh they they released this everybody you know says they're gonna get real mad the libs say they're gonna get out in the streets and then ultimately yeah there's a few rallies and like there's some like kumbaya singing and then like it fizzles out and obviously the democrats like not the the libs of the country the the cosmopolitan Professional class libs like do not really push for anything. The Democrats running the country obviously do nothing. And so now it's a fait accompli. And so now it's just now when it does happen, it's this thing we all expected. Okay, I'm not saying that is exactly what happened, um, but I like that version of it. Either way, like it played out that way as this fait accompli that was impossible to stop. And so now that it has happened again, we already know these people who run the fucking country did nothing. Biden my administration will use all of its appropriate lawful powers. Well, Congress must act, you know, So basically like I got nothing. Congress, yeah. Congress must act. You know, of course he's been against, uh, you know, abandoning the filibuster I
0: and mean, against using his power in like any way, in any way yeah. shape
1: or form. And he's, he's reaffirmed that now. Um, he's also, you know, was out there like a Democrat is their main job to do is like saying, like, Hey, you know, you're I know you're angry, but like don't act up too much, you know?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I think his first statement after Roe v. Wade was overturned was, Um, I know you're angry, but express your demonstrations peacefully and lawfully. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's that's a very useful, uh, you know, you can't even call it an opposition party, but like this is a very useful, uh, role in the ruling class to basically like, you know, (laughs) temp down like the moment. It's not even about like, oh, and let's quantify Roe v. Wade and not, right. It's not even like trying to pretend to string that along. It's like, all right, let's like, you know, calm the commoners down a bit and like, you know, have them uh, protest in the form that's only acceptable, which will is like, you know, doing a a police-approved rally um, that, you know, uh, turns into, like, a parade. Uh, That (laughs) is, like, a one-day thing. Yeah. Work your sillies out before bed. Yeah.
1: Uh, Shake (laughs) out. (laughs) Get your laughs out before uh, test time, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like, get up and shake it out, everybody, and then sit down and settle in, you know? Pelosi. Pelosi. Out here on the steps of the Capitol, singing "God Bless America."
0: <laughs> like, what the fuck? What was that, man? Dude. Like, that, I, I mean, mean like that—that that was like so. I mean, the Dems suck. You know, if you listen to our show, the Dems fucking suck, and we know that. But I mean, to see that on the same day—I mean, it seems like something. It seems like Aaron Sorkin, like coming down from like, um, I don't know, a lewd bender would like write that for like season 8 of the West Wing or something you know like that, mean, that that's so pathetic on so many levels you
1: know things we should get past like uh trying to psychoanalyze this shit but like look they're incredible that in this moment of like real crisis of literally them histo- historically failing their their base like really like really failing their base. And their instinct is to try and reconcile with, like, a broader American center and even, like, moderate conservatives and be like, we're all Americans. God bless. See, we can, theoretically, we can stand here and say we disagree with the Supreme Court's ruling. But just so you know, we still love America, you
0: know? Yeah, we love America because the state is legitimate and it's just the bad actors uh, who are anti-American who are doing this is, like, the the idea, right? It's like, these guys are (laughs) ruining... America right like um, you know our uh, which is Honestly, that sounds like, a little that sounds a
1: little radical for Nancy Pelosi, yeah. Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> She, I think her take is more
0: like, look, the Supreme Court is
1: good. All these people are good. Like, we love them. But like, you know, we just wish they we just wish they made a different choice. You Yeah. Know? Right. Uh, Harris God. out there. Of course, they're sending her out the just politically d- political dead weight to just absorb the fucking bullets like a like a human shield. Um, so they s- put her out for the big post decision interview on CNN. just to be hit with all these questions, like, are you going to do this? No. Are you going to do that? No. Would you support a carve out from the filibuster? So not even just like getting rid of the filibuster in the Senate, but like some kind of carve out in the rules for just this to codify a national right to abortion, which the House has passed. So you could get it through the Senate. So Biden could set it. And and she's like, uh, I wouldn't go there. And by the way, you know, there is, you know, as far as all these states. Uh, there is an election coming up in 180 days, and that's – there are senators on the ballot, you know? And, oh, and I mean, we forgot to mention Nancy Pelosi. Of course, like the famous – what everyone predicted, what everyone knew, uh, was saying for months, like the first thing out of Nancy Pelosi would be a fundraising email. And of course yeah. it was, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, help us codify Roe v. Wade now. I mean, because like the, this is what we've been saying all along is that the Democratic Party is like literally like a uh, <laughs> a, a loose coalition of like – various corporations um, and it's a fundraising machine. Right. And I mean, that's why they haven't codified Roe v Wade for decades is because uh, they can use that as a hostage situation in a two party system where it's yeah. saying like, Hey, Oh, they want to take this away from you. You got to vote for us to do it. Once like Roe v Wade's actually codified, they don't have that mechanism for fundraising anymore. Right. And sure enough, Nancy Pelosi says, Hey, you know uh, you got to donate to us. This is an attack. Like we can codify Roe v Wade. Um, so this is bad. I mean, like this is the ultimate conclusion to yeah. stringing this along for decades is that yeah right well
1: i mean if and and the pitch is like absolutely ludicrous like uh, taken at its most charitable you would say i guess that they're like no this is going to turn out our base so big that we're actually going to gain seats in the senate and yeah. even then it's like well you didn't pass it when you had 60 that's not even possible for
0: what i mean that's the question for what why what are you doing with the seats yeah, and like, of course, God, it, it's just, it's just,
1: I hate to even like keep harping on this shit, but yes, everybody knows she was just out fucking campaigning for pro abortion Democrats, you know? Yes. Famous for saying, like, we got to get off this abortion shit, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, just totally ludicrous on its face. Um, everything these people are saying, you know, let's, why not? Because why not? Let's bring it to the hometown paper. Um, you want to hear something stupid from the Seattle Times? Oh, of course. Uh abortion is a fraught issue on which reasonable people can disagree. citation well, fucking needed yeah, I'm sorry, no like you, this is we talked about this two months ago, going back to like fucking Clinton's you know safe, legal and rare shit. like this is what the Democrats, what liberals have done all this time is like they have on every issue is move to the right is give up the frame. And this, they're doing it like, okay, reasonable people can disagree. Well, no, they can't. Fuck, fuck no, them. Fuck anybody who it's disagrees. It's categorically
0: unreasonable to be anti-abortion.
1: Yeah. And certainly if your goal in your paper, in your ed board, when you can say whatever you want, was to support abortion rights, just strategically you would. Not say something like this, but like, let's really hear it here. The court's 1973 ruling on Roe versus Wade, later upheld in 1992's Planned Parenthood versus Casey, understood that while the state has a role to play, there must be a balance between protecting life. Protecting life. I mean, in this context, what that means is preventing murder. Okay, so again, because reasonable people, according to these idiots, (laughs) can believe that abortion is murder. And so to to restrain that, use the power of the straight to restrain, that is to protect life. Um, So you're already equating, uh, again, as many Democrats and liberals have done for decades, abortion with murder. So we need to balance between protecting life and what is an intensely private and personal decision. So it's like on the one hand you're like, well, yeah, you know, reasonable people disagree. Protect life, (laughs) you know, not you know, make murder illegal. Or you know, there's there's also like uh, the choice to do that murder uh, is also like intensely private and personal. So that's why we're in favor of like, yeah, siding coming down at least a little bit on the side of of like. Uh, restraining the state from making murder illegal. Cause you know, it's in, t- in this case, it's intensely private and personal. This is uh this is a, an anti-abortion argument. I'm sorry. I thought
0: this was like from the Federalist Society or some <laughs> shit. Like yeah. this is crazy. Uh,
1: the more, and then, I mean, you know, they go on the majority then went out of its way to strike down Roe, with even chief justice, John Roberts boner, boner popping. Mm criticizing his conservative colleagues for failing to exercise judicial restraint in their repudiation of the legal president. Motherfucker. He voted for it that he said he criticized something in his concurring opinion. You (laughs) fucking dumbass. Like they cannot. Oh my God. I just feel so dirty for even getting angry about this, but like, yeah. Okay. But even so this is how bad it is. Okay from the democratic perspective, if you take their warp fucking logic, doing anything now, now that this is passed, uh, this decision has come out is harder than it's ever been. Now, as it's already happened, like the, the lawfully convened morticians brunch club has, has (laughs) done it like, and in, in like 23 States laws on the books are now enforceable. It's happening. The religious right in this country has now seen their dream come true. Their long held faith has been legitimized by the highest arbiters, uh, by the very like power of the American empire. So if you're a Democrat and you're triangulating fucking political calculus resolves around appeasing Republicans, trying to win moderate conservatives in the suburbs and adjusting to the right under any pressure at all, Well, this country has just made a major fucking adjustment to the right. So how do we think? I mean, obviously, they're not going to do this before the election. They're saying that what if they what a miracle happens and they use this to to drive people out to the polls rather than what will happen is like they'll do even worse because they've failed because that's how politics actually works. They're not going to be able to do it after that, even if they wanted to. But how are they going to act a fucking year from now? Like how long before we hear like a leading Democrat use the phrase like law of the land to describe the new situation for abortion in this country. Like, does it happen like the day after the election, after they lose and go like, and someone asks them like, so what are you going to do about abortion now? It's like, well, you know, it's the law of the land. It's like, I mean, Nancy Pelosi is going to be Biden's gonna be Harris. Like, uh, just like, you know, we tried it's over. Calm down. We'll keep fighting. We'll, we'll hit you up for fundraisers a year from now in anticipation
0: of, uh, 2024, you know, Fuck. I mean, didn't even someone say that like they're they're gonna get like a Lindeman Miranda poem sent via email about about how important it is to protect like you know they they'll do all that shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I you know we know that's coming down the road. So, but okay. So they so we know like they're saying like well we can't do anything now. So I mean that's what the the leadership is saying. You know mm-hmm. Biden Harris Pelosi. Uh, there's other weirder shit out there. Elizabeth Warren out here calling for like abortion mash units in national parks. Charitably, uh, this could, you know, this is like a, a response, like dealing with like the present emergency. OK, before some larger fix is possible in these states where it's already illegal, we're going to set up abortion clinics in tents on federal lands. But of course, that larger fix isn't coming after the election. And if it was like do it today, do it yesterday, have already done it. but like. Because they're putting this off till after this election miracle, w- Warren gets to say, like, well, we have ideas right now for the emergency, you know? Yeah, so, well, she has a plan, Greg. It's, yeah, it's, she's got a fucking plan. Yeah. Well, she didn't have a plan to fucking, like, prevent this from happening. Yeah. But, <laughs> so basically, though, it's a ludicrous thing. It's already been shot down by Harris in that same scene interview, probably <laughs> Biden as well. Like, no, like, what? It's a. <laughs> It, it's an insane thing to imagine, like America jumping in, responding with a massive outlay, like in a response to a massive real public health crisis. You know, Can, does that seem like a reasonable thing that's going to happen in America, the politics of it aside? Like, no, obviously not. No. Like, don't be fucking ridiculous. Like, how long did it take us to get even like testing up for COVID? Absurd, absurd thing that is never going to happen. So, all it actually is, is a counter. Because someone like Elizabeth Warren, who needs a plan, who it's not part of her political brand to just say, like, well, you know, vote for us in November. So she has to have an answer, a counter to the well, what the fuck are you doing for me right now? Yeah. And she gets to say that, you know, and whoever else is jumping on that one. Like, well, if we'd like to we want to do this. You know, we want to do this shit right now to tide you over. Fucking absurd. Um AOC uh who hasn't been completely terrible, you know, on the on
0: this in some, yeah. you know, in some ways. Her- like one of the only Democrats who I think have been going pretty hard on the, you know, aggressive side, I guess. I don't I haven't seen anyone else except for maybe Yon Omar. Um do something similar to what AOC's leadership is doing right now.
1: Yeah, she's you know she's out here now talking about how oh, they lied. They lied under oath. That's 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 perjury you got we're going to get Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett on perjury for lying to the Senate. Well, this uh, is under, like effectively uh, the
0: same shit as Elizabeth Warren, where it's like, yeah, yeah no, uh, we, we're going to do this unthinkable thing um, that America has never really done um, within the technocratic means of the state. Against the state itself.
1: Yeah. She said, if we allow the Supreme Court nominees to lie under oath and secure lifetime appointments to the highest court of the land and then issue without basis, if you read these opinions, rulings that deeply undermine the human civil rights of the majority of Americans, we must see that through. Impeachment should be seriously considered. Well, it shouldn't be seriously considered. You should just fucking do it. Do it. If you can muster the political will, then you should do it. If you could have mustered the political will to prevent their appointment in the first place, something there is a good history of doing in this country, uh, you should have done that. But to think you can yeah, jump in now after the fact when it's much harder, so much harder that like in the past, the solution has been to expand the court rather than try to get rid of the freaks
0: who were already permanently there. Which Biden has uh, already ruled out, by the yeah, way.
1: <laughs> that's like a thing that actually it has been done.
0: Uh, yeah, that was like proposed by Bernie too during the twenty twenty campaigns as well. Like that's like the popular way to kind of uh, that's a popular technocratic mean to you know stifle uh, the power of the Supreme Court is to yeah, keep it's, rotating it's judges past, and like you know, you know adding seats. Yeah,
1: and but to think, yeah, you are going to get him on like a bullshit technicality. Um, you're going to get cute like I'm not a lawyer, but I'm sorry, it's not illegal to lie about the future, even under oath. Okay. No. it's nonsense. That's fucking baby talk. Even to Congress, they didn't agree to some court order that they're violating. They just smiled and nodded and said what they had like, to mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, right. And then, then a truly unique, uh, singular and multifaceted case came along and revealed to them in all its specificity, the underlying universality of the flaws in Row versus and Roe and Casey, you know that. Yeah. So there, there, there's nothing you can get them on. It's nonsense. You, you aren't going to get them to fold and give up power with some like legal bullying, like they did to Al Gore in two thousand. Yeah, you know,
0: you're not going to like and. and they're, they're, like, they're not fucking Democrats. You're not That's going to, about intimidate. to say. They're not fucking Dems. If there were Dems and there was a Republican saying that, sure, maybe. Just because, like, the Dems are so weak. But, you know. Yeah, they'll like, fucking they, fold
1: immediately. Yeah, and they'll you
0: don't fold and ha- be like, yo, like, you know, salute to you, sir. Just like what happened with Gore. I mean, like, people even, like, as young as, you know, like I am, don't really, like, realize how much of a just – open theft the 2000 election is and they rolled over yeah and they rolled over and just took it i mean like it would not even put up a fight they said we have to respect the supreme court's decision whatever bye right like and i think that you know that's why i'm kind of skeptical of like people saying oh well this is this will radicalize the libs like this uh, this ruling is like too far it's like well i mean like I don't think that it's just going to, this theory of like, oh, things are, it's almost like this like weird accelerationist logic of, oh, well, you know, if it gets bad enough, surely like, you know, uh, this will really, truly radicalize libs into, you know, uh, more left politics and possibly even socialist politics. It's just yeah, like, yeah, I, on I, I, come on, man. Like, I mean, like the, there were so many opportunities for this to happen and we're already seeing the liberal reaction right now, which is like what you're hearing from, you know, Warren AOC and, you know, more notably, you know, Harrison Biden, it's like, uh, fuck it. Like, you know, <laughs> like we'll, we'll, we'll try some completely baseless, like uh, thing, let, let these get subsumed into the corporate sphere outside of federal, um, protections and, uh, you know, just work with what they have. Right. I mean, there has to be actual, I mean, there just has to be actual, um, class power to fight against this. Like, you know, these people aren't going to just like save us. Right. And that's kind of like what we're getting at here is, you know, you can propose any like, you know, spell book or technocratic, you know, rule breaking thing that you want. Right. And say, Oh, how dare you, Uh, lie about the future or how about, you know, even more uh, than Elizabeth Warren, you know, just, you know, uh, popular in like the liberal media sphere is like calling on just opening abortions on native uh, reservations. Cause that actually mm-hmm. is exempt from, you know, like Supreme court things. And it's just like, you know, these are the proposals that you're going to hear, right? Like go into native people's lands and, <laughs> and yeah. open abortion clinics there. And, you know, you got to go to M- Muckleshoot casino to get an abortion. <laughs> right. <laughs> A taste of the tropics.
1: Um, yeah. uh, holy shit. um Yeah. Uh, tribal. Casino slash abortion clinics. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that probably is going to be a thing um, because this is going to go on forever to where like the economy for this adjusts in some way. But like, no, I mean, if you really ha- if there was really a political contest underway here, then and you really cared and you had power, federal power. Well, you just send in the airborne to fucking escort people into Planned Parenthood's and like surround them with tanks and tell the Supreme court to go fuck itself. And you'd tell the States who are trying to restrict that access to go fuck themselves. And you would you'd enforce that, you know, you'd do something. If you really like Congress, if Congress wanted to do something about the Supreme court, like they've got a lot of power to fuck with people. And impeachment is certainly a tool, but like, I, I probably not really the best one in this case, but like, if you, if there was a chance of using it, you'd be out there Rhetorically waving pitchforks and calling for their blood, and if a reporter asked, like, "Well, on what legal basis would you impeach them?" you'd be like, "Oh, uh, uh they they lied under oath. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the ticket. Yeah, they lied. <laughs> yeah, lie. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they lied. They were under oath when they lied. Uh, so that's why we're <laughs> going to do it. But you'd be out there, like, raising an army, uh, yeah. to just say." Fuck them. Get rid of them. We're going to exercise our democratic power because that's what politics is. And you you might have the the technocratic explanation as a backup. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway,
1: that's all to say, like, fuck all these people. Like, they're not they didn't come for you. They never have. They never will. And the thing to internalize, I think, even without necessarily taking the time to explain it, is that they want this on some level, for whatever reason they wanted this. On some level, they must know they're servants of the ruling class. And, you know, I I think the way to look at this is not like, yeah, the resurgence of some right-wing conservative project by the Federalist Society or Evangelical Christians or the, the tremendous failure of the Democratic Party. Of course, it is those things, but like on a larger level that this is A ruling class um, that is that is revealing itself to be very organized and radicalized. And this is relevant to our discussion two weeks ago about the possibility of the Fed inducing a recession for the purpose of disciplining labor, using the bullshit like uh, mystification around inflation to uh, induce a recession that. Uh, drives down wages to discipline labor Uh, we we talked about two weeks ago on our on two episodes that week the history of the fed and the fed doing this in the volcker shock and the the sort of kickoff of neoliberalism in the late 70s and the the rumblings that this was that they're thinking about doing this again and the small hike in interest rate that is happening and you know the fed chairman powell saying like yeah we might need to bring down wages And we ask the question, like, are they really going to do it? Are the fundamentals of the economy too shaky to actually do this because the whole thing could come crumbling down? Are they uh, organized enough, in control enough, or daring enough, stalwart enough? Uh, Are they stupid enough? Are they zealous enough to get this together? And I want to propose that this stuff, the Supreme Court this year and these decisions, the Democrats, you know, letting it happen, whatever, take it as evidence of a radicalized and organized ruling class and then maybe try to graft that onto what we think about the possibility of the fed again the ruling class capital dropping the fucking hammer on us in the coming months so munia like what is the status like what's been going on since we talked about it Two weeks ago.
0: Yeah. So, um, Powell, uh, Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve Chair, uh, hiked interest rates. The Fed announced the largest interest rate hike since 1994 and, like, by CBS News, uh, raising the federal funds rate by a little under 1%, 0.75%, so three fourths of a percent at its June meeting. And that was, like, the third time that the Fed hiked its rates this year. Um, so now the Fed funds rate is at um, 1.5% so far. Um, And I'll just read from the article here. Um, You know, Central Bank officials project the federal funds rate could be between 3% and 3.5% by the end of the year. During the hearing, Powell acknowledged that poses a significant hardship for Americans and said there has not been any indication yet that prices are coming down. According to the latest data, prices are up 8.6% from a year ago, rising at the fastest pace since 1982 not including energy and food prices, which are often volatile. Prices are up 6% from a year ago. But as the Fed moves to combat soaring costs, recession fears loom. During the hearing, Democratic Senator John Tester of Montana asked Powell whether he agrees raising interest rates too high too quickly could drive the U.S. into a recession. It's certainly a possibility, Powell responded. It's not our intended outcome at all, but it's oh. certainly a possibility. <laughs> and frankly, the events of the last few months around the world have made it more difficult for us to achieve what we want.
1: Oh, what we want being that that not recession where we yeah, raise interest right. rates. Like all these voices are saying, like hinting, like, yeah, it's coming. Yeah, we're, we're doing it. And here he is saying, like, yeah, we got to do it. Could cause a recession. We don't want that, but it uh, looks like it's going to anyway, you just know. warning you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Elizabeth Warren also, um, asked Jerome Powell if he expects interest rate heights to bring down gas and grocery prices. And he said, quote, I wouldn't say so. No. So In- incredible. <laughs> so, you know, on top of all of that, Larry Summers moves the person, um, uh, who Biden actually spoke with a week ago and the same day that he spoke on June 20th. uh, Larry Summers said, and this is from Bloomberg, um, the U.S. jobless rate would need to rise above 5% for a sustained period of time in order to curb inflation. That's running at the hottest pace in four decades. Quote, we need five years of unemployment above 5% to contain inflation. In other words, we need two years of 7.5% unemployment or five years of six percent unemployment, or one year of ten percent unemployment," said Summers in a speech in London, in London Monday. "Quote: There are numbers that are remarkably discouraging relative to the Fed Reserve view.
1: Incredible. Um, coming out and saying it like we're going to destroy the lives of millions of people, or we need to making the case that we need to to mm-hmm. bring down inflation, which we talked about. Uh, I think on the Patreon." second half of the, the episode on this that, you know, this is a lie, that this is not the cause of inflation. And they're also saying that, you know, it doesn't look like inflation is going to come down even with what they do. I mean, yeah, the Fed shares that as much like it's not. <laughs> so what we talked about, what we asked, I think, was like, so are they going to bite the bullet and be zealous and tank the economy to discipline labor to you know, drive enough people into misery that wages can come down, that control of the shop floor can come down, that that the unionization efforts can be busted. And are they radicalized enough to do that? Like is are the people at really at the top? Do they have the, the moxie? You know, do they have the passion to to roll those dice, send the economy spiraling so that they can regain that total control over labor? Which uh, brings us to the last thing to talk about here, which is this uh, story you found about Amazon, Munya.
0: Yeah. Um, so there has been a leaked internal research paper from last year in 2021 um, that Amazon could run out of workers to hire by 2024 because no one wants they've been to work churning. Anymore. Yeah, right. No one does want to work. Truly, it's a it's a pity. Um, and you know, this has been Amazon's approach to workers, right? Um, essentially the paper said in the poll quote, um, if we continue business as usual, Amazon will deplete available labor supply by 2024. Um, The report uh, also warned that the crisis was especially imminent in locales uh, like, you know, the labor pool in Phoenix. Um, The turnover at Amazon warehouse there grew from 128% in 2019 to 205% in 2020, um, which is just an insane turnover number, right? And so, um, you know, there's also just like competition, just like, you know, within, um, you know, warehouse work too. Amazon isn't necessarily as much as they want to be, um, you know, the only game in town, but their approach in general is that they need to work people as much as possible until they burn out and then you just get new people. Cause it's just so cheap to, you know, hire, burn people out and fire. But like, you know, um, overall that leaves them to the point where they can't hire any more workers because all of them have been used up right and like their amazon scale is so big and so intense and so grueling that it actually does um you know turn people to that degree so in a sense amazon's you know union there's like two ways that this can go right um Amazon's workers, there's a reason why there's uh, such intense pressure for a union in Amazon because the workers know just how awful it is to work there. There's no real abstraction about that. Um, And, uh, you know, part of it really could be that like Amazon's union, which demands better pay, better working hours, um, would actually be good for their business in the long term because they can actually keep and retain um, employees, right? And so, you know, just like, just like, um, always happens historically is the um, working class actually saves capital from itself, right? Um, that's what happened in the New Deal and what's was, you know, that could be a path forward there um, for Amazon as well is to actually, you know, let unionization go through or at least give some, maybe crush the labor unions and give some sort of like more, a different management approach to how they yeah. deal with their
1: workers. It's certainly something that, you know, unions have provided capital in the past, which is like a, uh, a permanent, dedicated, skilled workforce that is invested in the in the job, you know, and but that means giving up control of the shop floor, giving up some profit. Yeah, that could solve their problems. Doesn't seem like they want to go that way. Meanwhile, they are they're burning through workers at a rate, like you said, like when, because they've chosen to use their model is like using people as like carbon-based robots. Yeah, um, in just these punishing fucking conditions they're getting through all the proletarianized
0: people of the country and they're seeing like an end point. Well, where they wouldn't want to return back. Right. Like, you know, well, like once you go and burn through people like that in a job market, that's pretty tight where other employers other than Amazon are hiring, where wages are rising. It's like hard to recruit them back after you've like abused and then thrown them out to the trash. Too Yeah.
1: So I think we speculated like two weeks ago, or I did like, well, you've got, all the monopolization and consolidation of the last decades to where you have Amazon, this enormous player that if they got on board with um, a sort of broad hiring freeze plan, you know, you know, that would be part of a scenario where it was easier because of monopolization to get capital to coordinate in that way, where maybe you wouldn't need to hike interest rates, wouldn't need to induce a recession. But like, you know, this shows us like, it's part of their whole model to actually burn through workers um, rather than not, you know, stop hiring.
0: Rather um, than being like doing like a Fordist model, yeah. right?
1: And you know, I we propose the possible like level of organization that of capital that Amazon could represent. But now like look, they've got the these union pressures, this looming threat of running out of proletarianized workers. I think that's a case for their radicalization. Like, what are they? They're showing no signs of wanting to reverse their their model of distribution, where they, you know, they use people as robots. Uh, do, doesn't that then point toward like them being radicalized enough to be on the same page of like, yeah, let's tank the economy. We'll just sell everybody even cheaper shit than we do now because they need us. We'll be fine. And meanwhile. We can keep doing, we can maintain full, like, the some of the most um, perfect and sublime management control of the shop floor that's ever existed in our warehouses and distribution centers. And because millions of new people will be proletarianized, will be reduced in their class status, will lose the upper-lower class jobs that they have now, and have to come work for us for a year and a half until we burn them out. We'll have millions more in labor that's willing to do that. Uh, I think that makes a case for, again, the coming, the coming labor, uh, disciplinary crackdown by recession, by, uh, repression,
0: uh, the whole works. Mm, Yep, Yeah, it's true. I mean, like even competition from Target and Walmart, I mean, like, even like there's a quote here saying that, you know, we're hearing a lot of Amazon workers say, you can just go across the street to Target and Walmart. Um, and, uh, they added that like, you know, Walmart is offering some workers with past warehouse experience more than 25 an hour. So, you know, um, you know, Amazon bumped the average starting wage for new hires to more than $18 an hour because of that, implying that it was less than 18 before. Right. So I mean, like Amazon's like significantly paying less than even like, you know, other large, you know, uh, corporations that aren't necessarily the best, like famously Walmart or Target. Right. I mean, like Amazon is in uh, even like, It's treating them like worse than Walmart really is like paying some of their employees. So, you know, that intense pressure can only really be resolved by a weakening of the labor market, right? Like you can't Mm -hmm. just like, it's either that or, you know, capital colluding to the extent to bring, you know, wages down. And there's ways to do that. But, you know, the easiest way is to just say, fuck it and just stop this, you know, cycle um, of, you know, a upward spiral for workers. Right. Which is mm-hmm. just like a really tight labor market and just, you know, crush it all together and rebuild it. Cause ultimately target Walmart and Amazon will be very happy with that. And Walmart doesn't want to pay them 25 an hour. Like, believe me. Yeah. Um, so maybe, yeah. maybe if
1: you're Amazon, you figure like, you're so monopolized, you've have such, um, you know, market share in so many areas that, what a recession's going to do is even if it gives your profits a little bit of a haircut in the long run, you come out on the labor side on top, but also like it drives more of your competition, your smaller competition out of business. Maybe not Target and Walmart, but maybe a lot m- more of the, you know, people below them who then have to, you know, get out of the way for the big guys to take even more uh, of the market of yeah. the retail market, you know, yeah, so and like
0: a- a- Amazon hurting itself, uh, basically stabbing itself in the neck. I think Hassan Minaj made this uh, point. It was like, he was like, Amazon is kind, of, kind of like, if you like stab yourself in the neck, let the blood bleed. And you know, everyone else who's like sitting hip waist to you is like drowning in your blood while you're a little taller than them. Right. Drowning out the competition by, you know, um, by hurting your profits or like, you know, even like operating at a loss. That's like in, in order to just like acquire them for pennies on the dollar. That's Amazon's MO. That's a way to really, expand. That's how they've expanded their monopoly. That's how they monopolize really in the first ways or one of the ways um, that they have. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, inducing a recession when you have a lot of capital or dry powder is no different than that, right? So, I mean, it's a big boon. It, that's how we've been, you know, a lot of consolidation from you know the COVID crisis happened in 2020. Um, it's not like there isn't cash on the table or Amazon's overly leveraged in that space. So, um, yeah, recessions are going to cause like more like mid-tier players to fall out. Um, that's to be called on, um, yeah, and and it can you know not only ease the labor market but also just uh you know increase consolidation uh, rapidly, just like how you know the home, the single family home market was uh, pretty much uh consolidated after the two thousand and eight recession.
1: Mm-hmm. So where does that leave us? With capital coming down on us, on you know re- removing the sort of uh, liberal progress. And, you know, social freedoms that have been enjoyed for the last, you know, however many decades, making this this massive attack on bodily autonomy, which is going to you know reverberate into every part of everyone's life. And by getting together to do something big, probably a major recession to discipline labor economically, um, all the while increasing police budgets to be able to respond to whatever comes of this. You know, if we're saying, like, we've got to give up on uh, being annoyed, angry at the Democrats, uh, we got to leave way well behind their sort of view of, like, getting angry at Republicans or whoever. And if we're bracing for shit to get a lot worse in this country, which I think we have to, I think that the conclusion we maybe should come to is that this is the time of class struggle. Yeah. Like, that's this shit's going to get bad. This isn't some, this isn't um, some sort of uh, accelerationist fantasy. Like that means, you know, something's going to get better after. Only to say that when the ruling class comes down on you, it comes down on the whole working class. And the only way we can imagine to uh, turn the working class into a class uh, that could assert power is for it to struggle together in solidarity alongside each other. So I think, you know, that's, uh, that's what we have to prepare ourselves for. I I mean, I don't really want to do that. Uh, I just want to be a glib shithead on a podcast and, uh, go about my life. But I think we're not, I'm not going to have that choice. And, you know, for myself, uh, maybe I think it's past time to start doing something more than that. Start in my own life, maybe building some kind of solidarity by struggling alongside other people more directly. You know, because I'm a glib shithead on a podcast, I'm not going to make a call to action, but it may be a question to action. You know, what is the thing, what's the thing to do? Is it, is it um, something uh, around uh, abortion rights, abortion access? Is it, um, you know, because I'll go out to marches and stuff, but like committing to like regular things, like isn't my isn't my thing normally is the thing to do now to struggle alongside people at the site of a class conflict of which there are many, but like certainly one is going to become uh, even more so than before, you know, abortion access Uh, is, is the thing to do maybe, um, you know, escort people to, uh, to receive uh, reproductive care, to protect people from a, what is going to be a, a newly emboldened, legitimized uh, right-wing anti-abortion religious fringe that may find this, you know, find themselves motivated to be even uh, bigger shitheads and be even more violent and dangerous toward people seeking reproductive care. Um, I'm open to that. I, I, I'd i like some suggestions, you know, for myself, you know, hit me up in the Discord or wherever with like, you know, what what are the ways to... Start struggling alongside people on a regular basis, because I think that's the only if there is a way forward, that's probably the starting place of the only path forward. You know, so I'm calling on uh, women and uh, non-binary femmes, trans women, especially to do the work for me and tell me, uh,
0: (laughs) tell me what to do here. Yeah. (laughs) Ditto, ditto. Yeah, I mean, we do. We, we, it's necessity. I mean, what we described just now is, uh, is class aggression from the ruling class, right? And this is contains a lot of different multitudes. But yeah, the only way to fight against this is sustained class struggle. And like you, Greg, I want to just podcast as well. Um, I don't, I, you know, it's not fun work. And I really want to emphasize that it's not like fun or really rewarding, <laughs> um, you know, work. It's grueling and it's hard and, you know, it's a long term uh, prospect that doesn't really have many shortcuts in order to, um, succeed, which seems daunting, but, and the daunt is less when it is not just you, right. When you're actually a part of something, um, bigger. And, you know, I too would like to know ways that, uh, we could get involved beyond just attending a protest or beyond just, you know, um, you know, using protests as like a pressure release valve for all of our anger and spite and then just going about our days. Um, because it will take deep community building um and you know we'll take uh probably defeats along the way and the goal is to ha- not have that defeat um disillusion you or demobilize and i think that that requires um roots and trust within your community so i'm going to be mm-hmm. starting to talk to my neighbors for sure but yeah again i would love to know you know what else we can do um especially me being in New York. I know that a lot of people have been saying to do escorts to abortion clinics. I want to know how that works in New York, like without a car. I assume that you just show up at a place and protect people. Um, You know, it's like, it's stuff like that. It's little, little things like that, that I think can really build up into a lot. And, you know, combine that with the growing labor movement. um, I can't say that it could happen overnight, but I could definitely say that it's something that, I think we need to, what 2020 taught me, what the Iraq war, I think, you know, taught you, Greg, is that, you know, just protests on its own are not going to be the be all end all to actual, you know, mm-hmm. uh, change. And so, yeah, I think it's about actually getting out there and talking to people we, we don't know and, um, you know, developing solidarity networks. Yeah. And like you said, you know, attacking an attack on one part of the working class or one person of the working class is attack on everyone. It's attack on us. So, um, to have any single muscle in this, we got to stand together. So yeah, anyway, uh, so women and trans women, especially, please do the work and tell me what to do. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks
1: everybody. Hang in there. As Brian likes to say, uh, talk to your neighbors and, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. I mean, we'll probably see you out in the streets
0: too. Yeah. No stuff. Def- Bye. Bye.